0: So we're we're continuing uh the series on Sabbath this morning. Uh and I've not been here the, the, the previous couple, but um yeah fundamentally I think what's you know is sh- that's what thing yeah, that's what it's about. Um so I'm just gonna pull that together um this morning. I'm just gonna think of some some passages. So I just wanna start off reading um you know what Jesus says about Sabbath uh, in the New Testament, and it, it comes from the message here. It's up on the screen. So in Matthew 12, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was strolling with his disciples through a field of ripe grain. Hungry, the disciples were pulling off the heads of grain and munching on them. Some Pharisees reported them to Jesus, Your disciples are breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus said, Really? Didn't you ever read what David and his companions did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off the altar? Bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat. Didn't you ever read in God's law that priests carrying out their temple duties break Sabbath rules all the time and it's not held against them? There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual, you wouldn't be nitpicking like this. The son of man is no lackey to the Sabbath. He's in charge. And then there's the, you know, I've got sort of down the bottom there, just Mark 2, um, the, same, the same passage, and, you know, perhaps words that you're more familiar with, where it's, yeah, it finishes. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And uh, those are probably familiar words to a lot of us. And, you know, Jesus is getting at the Pharisees here, because they totally lost sight of what Sabbath was about, and... Um, you know, Sabbath thing I've been thinking about for a while, just, you know, over a number of months. And um, it wasn't really until I got into it, I realised what came before this passage. So here's what immediately comes before that Sabbath story. It's Jesus saying these words. Again, it's from the message. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. <laughs> I'm sure probably some of us look at it and think, whoa, I want to know about that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, I think it's significant that, you know, you look at that section of, of the Bible, you know, Matthew 11 and Matthew 12, and... You know, Jesus is, is angry with the Pharisees um, at the end of Matthew 11 where you know, he's in a couple of cities called Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum and uh, he's doing all these miracles and they can't see God at work and he's angry with them, it says, at leading the people astray and then he looks at the ordinary people and has tenderness on them he said his heart is moved, then he goes into these words here about you know, you're know tired, you're worn out, you're burned out on religion and then it moves straight into sabbath and his interpretation of Sabbath. So, here's the context: what we're talking about. This came from um, somebody that I was. I was in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a speaker I, I've, I've heard lots and uh, you know, podcasts. Um, I went to a church there, and coincidentally, he'd been in the city on vacation, so he was speaking that evening. Which, uh, and he he came with this, uh, which I just thought was a great quote. It says Jesus does not offer us escape from the busyness of life. Instead, Jesus offers us the equipment to help us live life, and that's the context of Sabbath. <laughs> so, what we can think about this morning is, you know, what, you know what, what did Jesus mean by Sabbath? But fundamentally, it's about this: it's about equipment that God gives us to help us navigate the busyness of life. You know, we all live in the 21st century. You know, life is busy. It is what it is. We'll come to this later. You know, maybe things that we need to strip out of our life to slow down a bit. But fundamentally, the whole thing about Sabbath is about uh, equipment to help us navigate the busyness of life, a speed bump in the road, essentially. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a quick look at Sabbath in the Old Testament. That is going to be a whirlwind tour. We started with Sabbath in the New Testament, but we're just going to quickly backtrack and look at four principles of Sabbath in the Old Testament. Then we're going to think about what does that mean for us, and then we're going to think about how can we put that into practice. So the first first principle of Sabbath in the Old Testament is this. It's that God practiced Sabbath. And that starts out in um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. So it says there, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the point of this is that um, Sabbath has got two things that come, come out of it here. You know, the first is that it's about rest, okay? And that's both physical rest and spiritual rest, and, you know, in today's society, mental rest as well. But it's not just about rest, it's also about celebrating. So, you know, it says, you know, God consciously, purposefully enjoyed what he did. He looked back and celebrated. So, the first principle that we, you know, if, you, if we're going to get to later on, what does Sabbath mean for us? It's got to involve rest, and it's got to involve celebrating what God has done purposefully celebrating, consciously enjoying God and what he's done for us. So here's the second principle of Sabbath in the Old Testament. It's that God instructs the Israelites to practice Sabbath. Okay, so this comes out of Deuteronomy 5. And I'll read it out to you here, verses 12 15. It says, so it's God talking to the Israelites. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, donkey, any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So Sabbath is still about rest. It's still about celebrating what God has done. But it's also now a reminder of their identity. So it's saying, look, you're no longer slaves. And, you know, sometimes I look at the Old Testament and I think actually in, you know, 5,000 years, Man hasn't really moved on that much. The issues they're facing at the time, you know, know, workaholism, and the the desire to, um, you're measured by your output, which is fundamentally what slavery is about. That was there then, 5,000 years ago. And actually, the principles of that may look different, but the principles are still the same today. So, you know, God's saying to the Israelites about Sabbath, look, it's about rest. It's about celebrating, consciously enjoying who I am. It's about a reminder of your identity. You are not slaves. You are not measured by your productivity. You are not measured by your output. And by the way, all the people working for you as well, guys, you're to treat them in that same way. Sabbath is to be a benefit for them as well. So, the third principle of Sabbath in the Old Testament is this. is that Sabbath teaches us dependence on God and that God will provide. So again, just read a few verses from from Exodus. This is about manna. So Moses said to them, It is the bread, this is manna, the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want and boil what you want. Save what is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. So we've got Sabbath is about rest. Sabbath is about conscious enjoyment of God. Sabbath is about um, you know, knowing our identity in God. But Sabbath is also about teaching us dependence on God. And that's why it's not easy. And, you know, some of the Israelites struggle with that. That, you know, God, I need to trust you here for the, seventh, for the seventh day. And they didn't. So we'll come on to this later. But, you know, to rest actually requires faith. Will we trust God to provide? Or are we going to trust our own ability to provide in ourselves? And God's saying, look, guys, if you step out, if you, if you practice this principle of Sabbath, you're going to trust me to provide. And that's a statement, but that's not going to be easy. Rest requires faith. So then, the fourth principle of Sabbath the Old Testament is this, is that that principle of Sabbath rest extends throughout the Old Testament. So, you know, you can go away and read, a lot of it is in Leviticus 25, not just Leviticus 25, but um, there is this whole, you know, I read earlier that passage, it talks about rhythms of grace, okay? So Sabbath is fundamentally about equipment. To help us live life but going back to that passage in matthew it's you know jesus is saying look come with me learn the unforced rhythms of grace so what you know when you look at the bible there are these unforced rhythms of grace grace sabbath one day in seven is just part of that unforced ryth- rhythm of grace but there's lots of other rhythms of grace that are working throughout the whole testament so here are some of them so land so this um I came across this verse a few months ago, in my daily readings, and it kind of blew my mind. So I was, I'll to read it out. So Leviticus 25, verses 18 to 22. It says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws, and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for 3 years while you plant during the 8th year you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in so like we live in a society where seasons don't matter to us anymore you know you can have fresh strawberries any time of, of the year so we've kind of lost we've lost that connection and um, you know for agricultural society say you're not going to plant in the 7th year not only does that sound crazy it's also got implications for your eighth year and your ninth year in terms of you're going to take the you know the the crop from the seventh year to use it to plant for the eighth year so this was a massive act of faith and yet God's saying look if you do that I'll give you such a bumper harvest in the sixth year you'll be able to survive until the ninth the ninth year you know he says that again in Micah where you know test me see if I won't pour out the storehouses of heaven you then got a whole cycle of debts about you know cancelling them every seven year every seventh years every seven years so this idea that's you know this principle of rhythms of grace is not just about us it's about having benefits for other people as well or slaves you know they're instructed to let them go free every seventh year or the jubilee year seven times seven major celebration is about you know giving land back if you know somebody got into difficulty and they would um, effectively mortgaged their land or sold their land, then it came back to them, so to break cycles of inequality um, over generations. Or, you know, harvests in, in Leviticus 19, basically, you know, don't, don't glean to the edges of your field, don't be so desperate to make money for yourselves, to survive yourselves, that you don't, you neglect the poor. Leave it there. And then the whole thing about festivals and feasts... Um, You know, again, set out in Deuteronomy 15, but they're all about a cycle of festivals and feasts that refocus the people, that draw them back to God to celebrate their identity and God's provision. So we're specifically thinking about Sabbath being one day in seven. I know it's already been said, it's not about a specific day of the week, it's about a, a principle, a practice. But essentially, when you look at the Old Testament, you know, Sabbath is part of a much wider rhythm of grace, and those rhythms are all about promoting rest, celebration, identity and dependence on God. So that brings us back to where we started, Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees have lost sight of all of that. So they reduce the Sabbath to um, a series of rules about what you can and can't do on specific days. And then Jesus you know, brings it back to this original intent it's rest with purpose so jesus is saying to us look guys i want you to learn these unforced rhythms of grace you know the translation that um, jenny was using the niv talks about you know um, take my yoke on you you think about what does a yoke do a yoke you know helps the oxen walk in time to pull that cart so jesus is saying look you know walk in time with me take on my rhythms take on my um, my pace of life and when I look at Jesus in the New Testament, it wasn't that he wasn't busy. He was busy. You know, when people come up to him, he came, comes up to him. He doesn't sort of say, I can be there straight straight away. You know, I'll get, I'll get you in due course. So, you know, Jesus was busy, but I don't get the impression that Jesus was hurried or feeling hassled. I think the invitation to us is, you know, we live in the 21st century and we are going to be busy. But there's a difference between busyness on the outside and peace on the inside. You know, we can be busy on the outside, but unhurried on the inside. I think the challenge is how do we discover that? So what does that mean for us? Um, firstly, I, I guess, you know, where I'm going with this is, is Sabbath is going to look different for each of us. will come on to that later. But there are some things that it should achieve however we practice Sabbath. And the first is this. Sabbath should serve as a reminder of identity. Okay, so practicing Sabbath declares my freedom from slavery. It says we are not slaves to the idols of this world. We are not defined by our output or or work. So however we practice Sabbath, there should be something about it that is counter-cultural, that is rebelling against the society around us, that says we are measured by our productivity. You are what you do. You know, it's a badge of honor, isn't it, these days, to say, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. (laughs) And, you know, that Learning to be um, being versus doing is is a big thing in our society. So us having the courage to say I am not ashamed to be being rather than doing is perhaps harder than we think it is. And that you know encourages trust. It comes back to do we trust God to provide or do we trust our productivity to provide what we need? So first thing is we got whatever we have, we practice it. It's got to it's got to serve as a reminder of identity. The second thing about how we practice Sabbath is that it's got to, whatever we do, it's got to reorientate us to God. Um, You know, it's got to include that conscious, purposeful, I am going to enjoy you, God. And we'll come on to some ideas of what that could look like later. But essentially, it's got to create space to refocus on God's priorities and opportunity to slow down and reflect. So we've got to take that opportunity, whether it's one day in seven or a cycle, to find that rhythm of unforced grace that allows us to regain perspective. And the third thing, that if we're practicing Sabbath properly is this, it's going to allow us to be a good steward ourselves. So it is going to have that space for physical refreshment, mental refreshment and spiritual refreshment. But here's the thing, that will probably look different for different people. So if you're an extrovert, having time with other people is probably energizing for you. If you're introverted or quiet, probably that fills you with dread and de-energizes you. So the trick is to find um, rhythms of grace that work for who you are as a person, that will refresh you and restore you, and that will look different. There's not one size fits all. So challenging bit, how do we put it into practice? Um, So, if we're saying the whole goal of Sabbath is about equipment to help us live life, it's a rhythm of unforced grace. It's a rhythm of grace that will draw us closer into God. The question is, what rhythms of grace, I'm sort of putting here, recurring practices do I have in my life? I've talked before about um, the escalator analogy. Life's an escalator and that if we're not consciously going forwards, then life is naturally going to take us backwards from God. If I go to Cribs Causeway, if I just stand on a downward moving escalator, it's going to take me down. To get up that downward escalator, I've got to put some energy in to run forwards. So that's where Sabbath fits. It's about how, you know, it's one of those opportunities to help us move up that escalator. So, you know, what practices do we have that might be on a weekly basis? a monthly basis or an annual basis that will help us move forward on that escalator. It could be for me personally. It could be for families. So, I said I've been reflecting on this um, a while. And um, so I guess here are some things that have come out of uh, my life in the last uh, six or 12 months that may work, some of you may, may not. So I guess for me, um, learning has been just... Deliberate acceptance of my security in Jesus—that's that's the starting point here. So this being versus doing is very countercultural, <laughs> and it comes out of the only place we can be, we can achieve that, is just knowing that our identity is in God. So that's, um, you know, that's a really important starting point, and we've got to accept there may be consequences out of that. You know, we're, uh, we're in a season where you know, Hannah and Zoe are going through exams and. You know, there's a staggering amount of pressure on young people today, um, in terms of you know, in just terms of expectations. And one of the things, Jane, and I'd had to learn is just make sure we're speaking out of their lives. Guys, you, you know, your worth is not in your grades. God is bigger than that. And you know, how we model that as, as parents, um, accepting you know, that there may be consequences um, of, of that, and it, it, you know, it applies to us in our careers or, or, or as adults as well. So, the other fundamental tenet, I think, of Sabbath uh, that we need to learn in our society is slowing down. Uh, you know, we're not superhuman, we can't do everything. It's a total lie when you, know, you think you can have everything, it's, it's just not true. Um, and this is something that God's been challenging me about because, you know, by nature, I am a pretty impatient person. <laughs> I am, you know, I am that person who, you know, I will not put over at the motorway service station because the cars might get ahead of us. And if if we have to, I'm going to take the number plate so I can get ahead of them. Um, You know, we always have a joke when we go over the seven bridges of the family because the family always laugh at me because I try to pick the shortest lane and then get frustrated when I get it wrong. You know, so I tick all those boxes, okay? So, uh, but I know that the faster I try and go, the less likely I am to hear God in my life. Okay, so the faster I go, the, the busier I am the less like I am to hear God in my life. So I've tried to kind of say, well, look, what, what kind of speed bumps can I put in place? So again, you can laugh at this. I now take a slower journey to Bath every day. <laughs> rather, rather than going down the motorway where I, I can just hammer it, I now force myself to drive, drive across country where I can be slower. Uh, and you might laugh, but it's actually, you know, it, 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 it's, it's benefited me. It's, it's kind of, um, I, you know... I'll, Deal with it now F- further on down personal use of commute time it's it's you know it's enabled me to just slow up a bit listen to some podcasts the mobile coverage isn't as good so i can't make a, i can't make calls um, so yeah it's just a, a conscious slowing down of my life uh, other other sad facts i've I, or other sad uh, speed bumps i've tried to put in my life when i go into a yeah when i go into um, a supermarket not necessarily looking for the shortest queue <laughs> Or when I go to a coffee shop to get a coffee, when I'm standing in the queue, not just whipping out my phone and thinking, how many emails can I deal with? I'm in in the coffee queue. So just things that I can do to try and slow down the pace of my life, which are tiny things, but actually just trying to, when I'm standing in that coffee queue, rather than doing emails, praying, God, who's around me? Is there a conversation that you want me to to initiate? Um, I know lots of us keep journals, but this, I, you know, for me, and I, I do as well, not every every day, but things I think God is saying to me, but trying to build into my life, right, every three months, I'm going to create some space where I, I look at what I've written down over the last few months and say, has it moved on? What have I done about it? Um, extended time with God. So for me, you know, Sabbath is, is often about, you know, it is Sunday's works. So how do I make sure on Sunday, sure, I've got my weekly routine of the week where I have time with God, but... How do I extend that on a Sunday when there's less routine uh, to get out the door uh, or to um, you know, do, whatever needs, do, do whatever needs to be done? So how do I use that? I've talked about purposeful use of commute time, you know, podcasts and just thinking time, not just you know, listening to the radio. Um, this is not something I've done, but I know friends who've done it. You know, they, they use their Sabbath to have a screen time ban or a time out from social media because you know, it's very easy to you know, fritter time away. Uh, on social media or, or, or screens, um, you know, conscious time out from working. So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the the business and the I work in tends to be quite 24/7, uh, and so actually saying, yeah, you know, I'm not working on on the Sabbath. Uh, whether that's, you know, when people email me and expect a response, I'm not going to give it, <laughs> uh, and training them that I'm not going to give it, and potentially telling them why I'm not going to give it. Um, or, equally, people working for me, uh, not emailing them. Uh, and Because, you know, if they get an email from the boss, they expect, oh, no, no, he's going to judge me adversely if I if I don't answer. So, yeah, that, that, you know, that's so stuff I might... emails I might otherwise have sent over the weekend. I will now store them in my drafts and kind of send them out on a Sunday night or a Monday, Monday morning. And purposeful use of holidays. And what I mean by that is, you know, lots of us are coming up to probably holiday season and, you know, going away on holiday with, look, this isn't just about resting and and relaxation. Sure, that's part of it. But actually, God, there's something I want to do with you this holiday, a book I want to study, a theme I want to explore. So just using our time wisely. I think for those of us in families, particularly, you know, parents with young children, I think, you know, it's a really good challenge to think about what rhythms of grace. Can we put in place that will re-energise us as families? Um, you know, so some ideas, you know, around you know perhaps you know weekly Sabbath practices, whether that's you know some time praying together at the you know you know Sunday evening or a, a, a week a you know regular sit down around a meal table um, on on a on a Sunday, just opportunity to talk. Um, annual opportunities. What I mean by that is certainly for us as a family, kind of. Um, you know, for the last 10 years, we've kind of consciously prioritised new wine as a foundation for us as family. You know, we've arranged, pretty much arranged our entire summers the last 10 years around being there because it's blessed Jane and I and it's blessed the children. And, you know, whether it's your child is going on camps, whether it's something else, identifying that regular cycle that you can put in place as a family and feeding it, prioritising it, uh, because you, you recognise the, 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 the opportunities... Um, holiday moments. So again, you know, some of the practices we've done over the years is, uh, you know, we're on holiday as a family, perhaps chosen a book of the Bible uh, that we're going to work through. So you know, we can all remember in our family, you know, the holiday we have in Italy, where we ended up in, you know, we're finishing off in Rome. So we looked at Acts uh, as a family, because it Acts ends up in Rome. But you know, how do you use, you know, annual family holidays where we might maybe away for a couple of weeks to perhaps change our routines as families and just lay some foundations. I guess there's a watch out here that you know, family time is not necessarily the same as Sabbath time. You know Sabbath time is about you know, rest, enjoyment of God, and going deeper with God and resetting perspective with God. In some ways, a lot of that is contrary <laughs> to time with small children in particular or families. So I'm not saying it's not the same, but I guess watch out. They're not substitutes. Time with God is different to time with family. Um, so we're going to have we're going to have a response in a moment, an opportunity to respond. But essentially, you know, the invitation is this: it's you know, where are the rhythms of grace in our life? You know, Jesus is saying, you know, walk with me, learn those unforced rhythms of grace. You know, match your pace to my pace, and that's difficult. You know, we probably all feel like where he started out. Are you worried? are You burned out. And Jesus is saying, guys, look, you need to learn um, to do Sabbath. You need to learn to find those rhythms of grace, whether it's you know weekly, monthly, annually, in your life, so you can match your pace to mine. Sabbath is part of that equipment to help us navigate life. And that's why it's there. So we've just got a few minutes now. Um, Jenny wants to come up, but there's probably a couple of things. Firstly, if any, you know, it'd be great if anyone's got—I've shared some of, I guess, my experiences. If people have got things that they found particularly helpful, that they they've got as a rhythm of grace, they might want to share with others. Then put your hand up, and I'll just give you the mic briefly. Um, so it's more a marriage time rhythm of grace actually that, um, for the past few months since we did the marriage course um, probably once every six weeks I've been able to take a flexi day on a Friday and we've just tried to spend some time together um, just Heather and I um, going out for lunch or whatever um, which has been really good and quite refreshing so that was part of the suggestion um, one of the sessions that came out of the marriage course and one of the things that spoke to us just thinking about having small children i remember really struggling with sabbath when the kids were small And i thought how can i rest i've got these children and they're constantly requiring help um and the only thing i could think of was not to do the laundry Um, Well, I'm just a fortunate dog walker and uh, it's a really valuable time um, if I'm out on my own with the dog just to, you know, sometimes I'll take a Bible verse from the Bible app and, you know, just use that and use the time to pray for family and pray for things and obviously often surrounded by lovely nature helps too, So, but I have to do that. Four or five times a week, and you know it's a good rhythm to be in. So get a dog. You
1: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah, if you know Millie Caldwell, you wouldn't think Millie Caldwell is like great <laughs> a peaceful dog. <laughs> I guess sorry, just one more thing is you know talking then is it's just throughout as well is that. Um, I said Sabbath time is not necessarily the same as family time. I'd also challenge you know, that actually church busyness is not the same as Sabbath time either. You know, so not being afraid to kind of say, look, actually, am I doing this? Um, you know, is this energizing? Is this energizing me? Because you know, you know, it's nothing unless it comes out of God. I just like to say that I find the, um, doing the journaling quite helpful, actually. So I, I thought it was good that you put that up there because it's quite good to. Sometimes I find I struggle when I pray and I'm talking to God, and then, or maybe if I shut my eyes and I'm praying in my head to God, I sometimes find that my thoughts go off. And I end up thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about or I don't keep focused on what I'm meant to be praying about. So I find writing it down in the journal, not every day because I don't have time, but once a week sitting down and just writing to my Heavenly Father about what's on my heart and what's burdening me. And I know that he listens. I know that he understands. And um, so I find it very helpful. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to say, Paul, that I'm so glad that you... um You mentioned sort of family time and then sort of put the flip side of the coin in in terms of family time because a profound thing that's happened in my life is marrying a Christian woman, you know, and um, Lois is amazing. (laughs) And I do think that in terms of Sabbath and church, something dawned in my mind once that actually God's idea of church started in the Garden of Eden. And, uh, you know, that's that's that circle of relationship you know so thanks so much okay so i think we're good to just uh, have a couple of minutes just being quiet and i just really challenge you to kind of just be quiet for a moment now and think okay god where are those rhythms of grace in my life we've got summer coming up that's an opportunity to change routines you know lots of people you know think academic years september's a new academic year so how am I going to use this summer what rhythms of grace am I going to consciously try and put into my life or our family lives over the summer what am I going to do differently how am I going to slow down how, what speed bumps am I going to put in my life you know, Jesus is saying this is equipment to help us navigate life, match our pace to his so just a couple of minutes of being quiet and then Jenny and the band can come back up